God is going to do something. I think this Sunday might be it for you. There are times in your life when you look back to those moments where everything changed, and this is going to just be one of those Sundays. We're, we're in this series talking about um, the daughters of God. This sermon, I think, applies uh, as much to men uh, as, as uh, it does to the daughters of God. But we're just taking a little time out for God's girls. Are you okay doing that? You don't want to... I'll tell you, I feel a certain way about my daughters. God feels much more about them and much more about you that God is just going to shift something in your heart and in your life. And uh, we need to honor that uh, dad-girl relationship. But also I think that God and the sons today is going to do something really powerful. I'm talking today. My sermon today is called The Father Wound. It's a tricky one. I had one of my staff in who... um, who's had a struggle with her relationship with her dad. And we were looking over the song list and I said, well, we're going to do a song called the blessing at the end and give people a chance to respond and to come forward to the state. The other service was just packed at the front. People just getting prayed for and getting God's blessing. And it was powerful. And if, if you came and got prayed for you need to go come and get prayed for again, like get everything that God has for you. You can keep coming back to the fountain if you want to, you know, it's like coming back for more Christmas presents, man. And uh, God wants to do something powerful in, in your life. And, but I was, I was looking over the songs. And we're like, she knew my sermon topic. And she's like, do you want to sing the blessing? And she starts thinking about the song. And thinking about her relationship with her dad. And her relationship with God. And starts crying. <laughs> in my office. Talking about the song selection. And... Uh, That's awkward for somebody with my personality. If, if, if you're crying, all I can think of is like, just like, you don't like the song? Well, like, we'll do a different song. Just, can you stop crying? Please stop crying. And then I talked to Pastor Aaron and, and uh, you know, and my, and my wife, look, and her dad, her dad watches these sermons. And so, but, but she didn't have a great relationship with her dad growing up. There was a divorce. She had this beautiful moment, you know, this time on the farm when she was little working with her dad. But then there, there was a divorce and it was messy and then he wasn't there and then all of her life she was just missing that thing that was like, don't date a person like that and don't and wait for Corey because he's perfect. And <laughs> There's this thing though. And so I, I talked to Pastor Aaron and I'm like, do you want to like, I feel like just a, we, I want to bring it home. To, what if you came up and we did an interview together? We shot a video and she's like thinking about this and what she'd say and then she starts crying in my office and I'm like... If you're crying, the only thing I can think is like, just like, we'll do anything if you'll stop. And so, um, so she's like, well, why don't you just like start with telling uh, some funny things that your dad used to tell you? Because I, I, I was lucky. I, was, I have a great relationship with my dad. And she said, well, why don't you start with some funny things that dad used to say? And I'm like, if you'll stop crying, I will do anything. Thanks, Sean. Here's some of the things that my dad uh, used, to, used to say to me. He used to say, um, like, I'd be like, dad, can we get a snowblower? And you'd be like, no, you need to build some character. <laughs> so let's shovel some snow. Um, <laughs> even if he had a snowblower, I'm uncertain he would let me use it because he's like, no, I feel like it's good for you to get out there and shovel snow. Here's another thing my dad used to say to me. Uh, I remember in high school, he'd be like, he, he'd say like, be home at 11 because... If you know this, like, you just say it, like, because bad things happen after dark. I'm like, what? So the sun goes down and bad things happen? <laughs> Ironically, I say all these things to my kids right now. Yeah, he wasn't wrong. Like, bad things do happen after dark. People get real dumb. 
I'm thinking to myself, like, 11 o'clock, like, how's that the magic cutoff number? Like, you know, you don't trust me? He's like, yeah, no. Um, here's, another, here's another thing that my dad used to say to me. Uh, he said to me one time, um, I washed my grandma's car. And he's like, you did a terrible job of washing your grandma's car. I wouldn't hire you to do that. And, um, and I looked at grandma's car, and it was like, well, and here's, in my defense, is, is my dad here or is he serving? Yeah, in my defense, dad, he sends me out there with a hose and a sponge, and my grandma lived on the farm, like 10 miles in the middle of nowhere, and she'd never washed that car before, and so like, I was like the first car wash, and there was an inch of mud on there with like a hose and a sponge. So yeah, it was a bit streaky when I was done, you know? I'm like, can we just like pay like $4 to wash this other car wash? No. Um, build more character. You know what the Holy Spirit told me that I needed to share, or I wanted to share, I'm not sure which. I realized, you know, I realized that car, my grandma told me when I was 15, she said, when you turn 16, I'm going to give you this car. And then I turned 16 and no car. And I'm like, 16, I am 16, going on 17, I got no car from my grandma. Y'all watch The Sound of Music? I have four daughters, man. We watch The Sound of Music until I like vomit The Sound of Music. I am 60. I still don't have that car. You know what? My dad, he's never lied about anything in his entire life except for about that thing. And he still won't tell me the truth. I know by the Holy Spirit that he called my grandma and said, you do not give my kid a free car. I know it. I feel it in my bones. And he still won't say it. It's exactly what he would say because he's this kid's not going to get something for nothing. What are your... My dad used to say, like, what? yeah, when I was your age, you know, he used to, to get to he wanted to play baseball so the practice was after school so he 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 didn't want to walk home so he'd ride his bike so now he has to ride his bike in the morning and in the evening anybody ever hear the stories like when i was your age i used to ride my bike to school just to go to practice six miles each way come on uphill six feet of snow my bike got no pedals amen me come on my bike got no pedals no chain no seat And you can't wash your grandma's damn car. Um, here's, here's, here's my favorite thing that my dad ever said. The, most, the favorite thing of kids to hear from their dad is like, is this one statement. But dad, why? Because I said so. Well, why? Explain it to my like seven-year-old boy brain. Because I said so. But dad, you know, because I said so. Because I pay the bills. Because I said... Here's another thing my dad used to say. You remember you leave the door open in the wintertime? And be like, shut the dang door. You're born in a barn. Whoever heard that from dad? You're born in a barn? My wife had never heard that from her dad. And so I said that when we first got married. She opened the, she let all the heat out of the house. And I'm like, shut the dang door. You're born in a barn? And she got so mad at me. She's just like, what do you mean was I born in a barn? <laughs> Has this come up before? Were you born in a barn? I'm like, well, were you? The door's open. Yeah. Then I realized, you know, all the things that I got from my dad and a good relationship with my dad, that, that all those things, like she missed a lot of that, you know, just because her dad wasn't there and things were difficult. And she, she missed, maybe she never heard that like born in a barn deal. And so she didn't know how to keep the door shut because, you know what I mean? Like there's this thing that we miss. There's this, there's a, a gap uh, in her life, you know. Um, you know, I mean, this happened to her and, and I'm sure her dad's not proud of it, but, you know. He, he, she was supposed to get picked up from, I think, summer camp. And dad was like eight hours late. 
Eight hours late. Can you imagine like every other kid, his dad is picking him up and like kid, all the kids are gone. All the counselors are gone. There's like three people left in the whole camp. And here's Aaron. Like, you know, that does something. I think some kids, you know, you might've been grown up in a home where your dad was just like, you can never make him happy. Or, or I think sometimes a kid would rather dad yelp because at least he knows that you're there rather than like ignore you or not be there or, you know what I mean? Like just to be marginalized or, or not known or just not there or just not caring enough to get involved, you know? And these things do something in the heart of, of girls. I think that it does something in the heart of anybody. Um, I mean, my home growing up, you know, eight hours late, my dad had all the clocks set eight minutes early. It took me till grade 12 till I figured that out. I never watched a TV show right. I'm like, why is the show ending in the middle of... I couldn't figure that out. Finally in grade 12, I'm like, he's got the clock set ahead so that we're never late for anything. Because there wasn't like clocks on TVs and clocks on... You know what I mean? Like, grade 12. I don't know what's worse is like that he did that all those years or that it took me till grade 12 to realize like, this show is ending at a weird time. I don't know what's going on. I never knew what was going on because I never saw the beginning of anything or the end of anything. And... Um, Listen, listen, living with a father wound is hard, but, but here's what people with father wounds know. Living with people with father wounds is hard too because healthy people, if you have a father wound, you're not as healthy as God wants you to be and God's going to fix it today. But you know, if you're unhealthy, that healthy people don't hang out with you for very long. So like unhealthy people connect with unhealthy people and healthy people connect with healthy people. And I, I think just even in our marriage, the, the gap started getting greater and greater and greater because, because healthy people after an argument actually get better and actually apologize and actually do all the things and like, okay, I'm gonna work on this and I'm gonna like, because our worth, the question of our worth has been settled. And, um, but unhealthy people, what happens is it starts going off in this direction. So one person gets better and the other person gets worse and worse and worse. And the gap that it takes to it takes health to close the gap. But if you've got a father wound, that's not you. That's not what happens. You know what I mean? And so, um, here, here. Our relationship with our dad formed our identity. And it informs our relationship with God, whether we want it to or not. If there is one relationship in this earth that tells you who you are, it's that relationship. If there's one relationship that was supposed to um, move you into a good relationship with God your Father, it's that relationship. It informs how you think about God and your relationship and your connection. It informs you more than any other relationship on earth informs you. It's your relationship with your dad. And whether we want it to or not, it just, it affects us. You know, this sermon is probably the most awkward one that I've ever had to preach in this city. Because this whole week, you know what I've been wondering? Like how many of my kids are going to go up and get prayed for after? Everybody's going to know that I'm not a great dad. And you might be here and your dad might be here. You might be here, you might be like 70 years old and be like, oh, I'm past all this. No, you got past it, but you didn't go through it. You got past it, but there's still a wound in there. And, and I'm going to explain what that wound is like. But I realized, you know what? My daughters ought to get prayed for today. And I hope that they're at the front. Because I'm not God. 
And when our marriage fell off the rails, like I wasn't the dad that I should have been to them. I know it. I had, I had reasons. I had, I, I was just trying to like not die. Yeah. But I'm like, there was times, I know there's been times I've been harsh. And I just decided, you know what? The heck with that. God, I want you to be their dad because there, there's going to be a day when I'm not here and that is, it's going to be you. And so, but this is what it's like having a father wound, having a father wound is like uh, having, having like a, like a splinter in your foot and like everything on the outside looks okay. You don't know that when I met pastor Aaron, she was like hot and you did the right thing. You didn't say anything there. That was a trap. All the guys. Yeah, no, <laughs> she was confident. She was smart. She had stuff together. It looked like, but there was a deep splinter that, you know, when you have a splinter in your foot or you got like a piece of glass in there, every place you go hurts. You ever injured, have you ever injured your like feet or your ankles? Like a child walking by scares you. Why? Cause if they like touch it, it hurts, right? It's like if you have a splinter in your heart from a father wound, somebody gets close or somebody gets in conflict with you. This is what it was like with us. You know, we get in conflict. Well, I enjoy conflict. You're like, shut up. I do. It's how I connect. I love conflict. Her, it was just like, all she could see was like, you're going to leave too. So like say whatever, but never speak your mind and never say if you're upset because like, you're just going to leave. And when me, I'm just like, well, no, like if you're upset, like my mom is Irish, man. She told me she had no problem telling me what she thought. She'd tell me right now. She'd like, boy, you preach that sermon. There's this thing. It hurts. It's like a splinter, but here's the problem with the splinter. Like, and, and what it does to us when, when you have a, when you have a, when you have a splinter, th this is what it does. See, God is watching you and you're struggling so hard and all the blessings of God are right there. They're right at the, at the tip of your life and they're ready to be poured in. But the splinter just like bleeds, you know, it just, you can't quite get there with your relationships. You can't get there in your connection. You can't, there's something you wake up in the morning and you're nervous and you don't know if you're going to be rejected today or if you're, because you're looking to other places to do what only God can do. But people with a, with a, with a good relationship with their dad and a great relationship with God, people like that, they don't wake up nervous in the morning. They're not worried that they're going to be broke or that a bill is going to come in. They're just not because God is connected. God is there. God's going to, God hates when that splinter, look, people from fatherless homes are five times more likely to commit suicide. Five times. That's a multiple. That's not 5%, five times. Uh, 32 times more likely to run away. 32 times. Um, 20 times more likely to have behavioral disorders. It's behavioral disorders. There is so much confusion right now in sexuality and like, we're not doing things God's way. There's so much confusion about our identity and we like, can I say like gender stuff? There's so much confusion right now because we've got a splinter and it just hurts. And like, there's so much confusion and you're like, my marriage just hurts. I just want out. I just want to, my foot hurts. So I'm going to either like cut it off and I'm just going to be like the guy with one leg. Right. And then we like, and everybody tell me that that's how God made me. Right? Or it's like, I'm going to walk on my hands because my feet hurt. Tell me that this is God made me to walk on my hands. See, but the problem with the splinter, and here's, here's the issue. When you have a father wound, the problem with the splinter is that in my home growing up, 
My dad was the one who took the splinters out. What happens if your dad put the splinters in? Then you come to God and you're like, oh, that's great that other people get to do this. But like when I come to God, I have this, this barrier that I push up against that I'm just like, like how far do I go here? Because your dad told you that you were stupid. Because your dad told you that you weren't worth it or that you weren't worth fighting through broken marriage to fix it and you weren't worth it. And then you thought it was you. You push up against this wall and you push up against this wall and every time that it's just time to tip over and just to throw yourself head first into God's blessing and his plan, you're just like, <gasps> you push up against this wall because your dad didn't remove the splinter, he put it in. And, uh, and listen, I'm gonna talk about like maybe a severe father wound, but then there's all the little ones too. And my dad and I had issues, I've been healed of them, but like we gotta learn how to go to God and get healed of the, of the wounds. Um, Here's, here's a promise I'll make to you. God only wants to, he only reveals what he wants to heal. You're here today. Today is about you getting your healing from God. Look, I don't want to preach a sermon. It's a tricky one to preach. But God designed you to be here for this day and you were faithful and you came out on a long weekend and God's going to do it. I was watching my daughters and I realized, you know, they have very few barriers with their relationship with God. And I watch adults and I'm like, there's so many barriers, so many things, so many weird things. And, um, can, can I tell you a story? When, when, when I was, um, so growing up, I just had a brother. So it was kind of a boy home. So I always wanted a sister. I thought that would be kind of fun. Um, and so I wanted girls, but I never thought I would have them. I thought that we would just have boys for some reason. And so our first we had, and it was, um, it was a surprise. Like we were surprised at the hospital. We're at the Peter Lougheed hospital and we had Arwen and isn't Arwen great? Um, we had Arwen and I was shocked. And you're like, I know what you're thinking. Like, oh, you're old. They couldn't tell ahead of time if there were boys or girls. And I'm like, we had the technology. I'm not that old. Did we have the technology? Like, yes, we had the technology. We just wanted to be surprised. I was surprised. So I run downstairs at the Peter Lougheed Hospital and I call up like the local Irish dance school and I'm like, so how old does a, does a girl have to be to get into Irish dancing? And she goes, well, like five or six or like, it's complicated, you know, it's, they need to be a certain age. And then she goes like, how old's your daughter? And I'm like, <laughs> like a few hours old. She's like, she starts laughing. She's like, oh, you're gonna have to be patient for a little while. I was so thrilled to have girls. I, I tell you, I was, and then, and then uh, we're pregnant again, and uh, we have another girl. If we'd had a boy right there, I'll bet you we'd have stopped as a family. And I'm glad that we didn't, just the way that God worked it out for us. But, um, and so, and so, um, so we had Ailish. And I remember in the back of my mind, like, I was just glad that mom was healthy and Ailish was healthy. And we were just, I was so happy to have another girl, honestly. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I was going to stop there. But, like, maybe we keep trying for a boy. Because to the copes, like, the boy and passing the family name, it was important to me. And I walked into the doors of dad church, dad's uh, church at the time. I was, I, was, um, I was serving in dad's church. And I was the first one there making sure everything was good. And, and uh, I, was, I walked through the doors into the sanctuary of that church. And... And God said to me, it wasn't audible, but it was the next thing to audible. It was so clear. I still remember it. He said, not many girls in the world have good dads. And I wanted this one to have one. And my father in heaven 
was telling me that he thought I was a pretty good dad. And, uh, and I'm not saying that about me because I was thinking about that this week and I tell that story and I'm like, that's great. And you're, and you might be like, that's great for Ailish. I was thinking, how do, what is my wife here when she hears that? So God loves Ailish and gave her like a decent relationship with her dad. What about me? What about you? Does God not love me? Why didn't I get that? I, I have this gap in my life. You know, I realized King David had a father wound. He said in the Psalms, he wrote it down for everybody to read his like diary. Like, even when my father and my mother forsake me, he said, do you remember that scripture? You are with me. Even when my father and mother, like they left me alone. They, uh, remember the prophet tells Jesse, his father, Samuel tells Jesse, bring all your sons together. Like I'm going to pick a king. David doesn't even get invited to the party. There's thought that maybe he was illegitimate. He was ashamed. He was, the, he was working with the servants. He wasn't with the sons. The, the spite that his own brother showed him. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that he had a father wound. And yet God says of David, and he doesn't say this of anybody else. I've been looking my whole life to try to find him. Say, he doesn't say of anybody else. He says, David is a man after God's own heart. It's the only one that he ever said that of in the Old Testament. He's a man after my own. He's like, there's one person that got me more than the others got me. And it was David. And so I want to say how you came in here broken isn't going to be how you leave. And be in, in spite of the brokenness, you might get to know God more than other people who started with more. Because God is a great redeemer and God can actually turn that story around for you. Here are some rocks that people with father wounds carry. And uh, you don't just carry these rocks. You make everybody in your life carry these rocks. I've carried a lot of these rocks for a lot of years. Can we just go through some of these things? Because I want to I want to bring this home because God is tired of watching you carry rocks around that he don't want you to carry around. He wants to carry them for you. And so his shoulders are broad. And I think we carry them around because we've been wounded and we're like, well, nobody's going to do this but me because my dad went. This, my dad was the one who was like, relax. You know how many times my dad told me to relax? Like every day. Like, relax. I'm dad. Relax. You have to do other. I'm relax. Relax. I've got you. If something doesn't work out, I've got you. If you crash my van into the neighbor's tree, I got you. That wasn't me. That was my brother, Ryan. He wasn't worried about the van. He's like, first thing he said was, are you okay? Ryan's like, yeah, but I crashed the van. He's like, vans are vans. Are you okay? God's going to take these rocks for you today. I believe it. Why else am I preaching this? I could preach about something else. God, God planned for you to be here. Identity issues. Identity issues. It's just huge right there. Everything in you, who you are and what you're here for, what you're worth, identity issues. You carry this around and you're like, and then if you get married, then you're like, or if you have kids and you hand these to your kids, they're like, tell me that I'm worth something. Like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And you have a bad day if somebody doesn't tell you that. I want you to wake up confident in who you are because God already told you. And then you wake up and you read your Bible and you're like, oh, that's what, oh, I don't care if my husband gets a little mad at me. Like, yeah, he's having a bad day. It's okay. He doesn't tell me who I am. God tells me who I am. I forgive him. It's okay. It's okay. I can get over it. It's this, it's this security. It's this identity. It's this, um, you carry a rock that says touchy triggers, like careful. <laughs> Don't talk about the laundry. It's real. <laughs> touchy triggers. Um, people, they got to watch your mood. Your kids got to like watch your mood and walk around eggshells on you. All that. You know that they're doing that. You know, like you're super brittle and you're like on the verge of breaking all the time. 
and like don't bring up the wrong thing at the wrong time. Whereas a healthy person is just like, oh, you want me to put the dishes in the dishwasher? <laughs> okay. Like, okay. But like when somebody brings up the dishes with you, you've got like 10 like daggers ready to go. That's like, yeah, well, 10 years ago, this is what you said. what you did last summer and I remember it and this is what it touchy triggers God doesn't want the, it says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13 love is not touchy it's not like you're not touchy you're not easily offended you're not why because you know who you are you're settled in who you are you're settled in who God is you're okay God's gonna do something powerful in your life um, here's a rock uncorrectable here's a rock don't apologize because your dad never taught you that, listen, when you do something stupid, apologize and get on with your life. Five minutes later, the world goes back to normal. Right? As opposed to, like, manipulating and trying to, like, power. Everything's a power play if you have a father one. Like, and if you apologize and you're giving the other person control, rather than what it really is, that when you apologize, you're giving God control. And God's like, hey, just apologize because you did something wrong. It's okay. Move on. You're still worth what you do. That's not your worth. Your worth is authority issues. <laughs> Come on. I watch guys in the workplace all the time, authority issues, authority issues. You don't assume that authorities are there to protect and love you, and some of them aren't. But I'll tell you, a person with like a good dad and a good relationship with God, their father, their boss can be a raving psycho. And they're like, God will sort it. God, it'll be okay. Look, they don't decide my destiny. God provides for me. They're not my provider. God is. There's something that God wants to do and wants to fix inside of you. Um... You can't relax and just be. This is a tough one. Uh, Pastor Aaron and I, we were out prayer walking. And we were out praying. And, and we passed two, two ladies just walking with each other. Probably not praying because we're spiritual. And so it was like me, Pastor Aaron, and then the two ladies. And we get past here while I'm supposed to be praying. And I turned to Aaron and I said, I wonder what would have happened if I had nudged you into them. She's like, what? I'm like, just to see what would happen. And she goes... You're such a boy. And I'm like, thank you. Because boys are dumb and boys think stuff like that's funny. And it's okay to be a boy. I've told married women at venue who have kids, I'm like, relax and be a girl. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not, don't sit on the throne of God. You don't have to worry about, you don't have to fix everybody and everything and even yourself. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be broke. It's okay to not know. It's okay to be afraid it's okay to be it's okay to be a daughter of god but when you have a father one you just gotta like protect and you like you're the one man if you, it can't fall to pieces you can't let it go because yeah you know, when you have a good relationship with god you're like he's like actually that's my job so it's okay to not get everything right all the time i'm bigger than that it's okay just relax just be a boy just be a girl it's okay um we reject first we quit before we get fired we're like you can't reject me i'm gonna leave you first right but what if they were never going to reject you? And what if God was never going to reject you? What if the church was never going to kick you out? If we kicked out sinners, like I wouldn't be allowed to come. So I see people leave all the time. There's a rejection. Like I'm going to reject you first. I'm, gonna... I'm like, look, we're not even allowed to reject you. It's like written into our like, invite the world to come. God loves sinners. It's okay. There's nothing that can't be forgiven. And there's nothing we won't love you through. There's no story you can tell us where we're going to be like, oh, that's definitely too far. This is not. Um, John chapter 14 says, Jesus left Judea 
and return to Galilee. We're going to talk about the Samaritan woman today. Um, he had to go through Samaria on, on the way. Now, the Samaritans were kind of like um, of mixed race and mixed religion. So, so the Jews, the devout Jews would never go through Samaria because the Samaritans were like worse than the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> or the Calgary Flames or whatever your poison is. Um, and so it's like, we're not going through Edmonton. We will go for miles and miles around it. And Jesus is like, no, we need to go to Edmonton because they're full of sin. And we're just going to go right to the heart of the matter. And so, um, and so eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that, that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And I'm reading this. And for the first time, I'm like, who cares about the field that Jacob gave Joseph? Right? It's like the bench that so-and-so's grandfather donated. That's not what the story is about. It is what the story is about. Near the field that Jacob gave Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? Second in command in all of Egypt? If I'm Joseph, I'm like, thanks to the field, Dad, but like I got Egypt. I have fields. Why did it say this? Jacob, Joseph. Why did it say that? Because the Samaritan woman thinks her problem is this, but it's not. It has to do with Jacob gave his son a field. J Jacob's well was there. Who cares? Jacob's well was there. Jacob dug a well. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. You think that this is an accident. You think Jesus doesn't know what well he's sitting beside. Jesus is like, I can't remember who drilled that well. Hmm. What well do you live by? I would submit to you that you live by the well that your father dug for you. It's not the right well for you. In fact, even the well that I would dig for my children, it's still not the right well because you're going to see what happens. Jesus is saying, oh no, there's another well. Soon a Samaritan woman came down to draw water. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink because he didn't have enough strength in his carpenter arms to pull a bucket out of the... Sometimes you're like, why does God want like my money? Why does he want me to volunteer at the church? Why does he... Because she needs to do something for the miracle to have a landing pad. It takes faith. It takes faith to, to draw, to pull a bucket out of a well. It's not much, but it's what she could give. Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples were boys and had gone into the village to buy food because they were hungry. The Pastor Aaron, now she, she it, it didn't take her long to figure me out. It took one trip. And she's like, I just pack snacks now, and he's in a much better mood. Yeah. <laughs> Girls, that is marriage counsel right there. We're not complicated. Just pack snacks. <laughs> You're like, oh, I feel like he's complicated. I feel like he's thinking about the thing that I said last week. We're not. We're just, we're just hungry. Just pack snacks. Um, <laughs> she's... She was surprised for the Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritan. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? She's like, I know that Jewish rabbis don't even talk to women in public. Like that's probably what, they didn't really talk to women. Some Jewish rabbis wouldn't even talk to their own wives in public. And she's like, why are you, why are you here? And why are you talking to me? Um, Jesus said, if you only... This could preach too. Like, if you only knew the gift God has for you, Venue Church, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you, if you only knew the gifts God has and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you. 
living water. It's that simple when you have a good relationship with God, your father. You don't go through all this like, I'm unworthy. I'm no, no, no. If you knew the gift and if you knew who was speaking and if you asked, you'd get it. It's that simple. Like God wants good things for you. Today, you're going to get it. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And, and this well is very deep. And she's all like all the natural things about why she can't be happy and why she's not going to be able to help and why she... You know that when you have a father wound, you have a gas tank, they're always worried it's going to be empty. And so you're careful, you're very careful with how much love you give and how much forgiveness you give. Because if you ever run that dry, why? Because it ran dry. Because your, your dad was supposed to fill that tank. And then you don't come to God to fill the tank. You kind of keep going back to your own well. And it's always a bit dry. You know, it's like, I've got to be careful, I've got to be careful, I've got to be careful. You know, sons and daughters of God aren't careful like that. They're like, oh, you want me to go over there and like head first? Oh, okay. Why? Because God has this like never-ending flow that wants to come to your life. Other service didn't get that. Y'all are welcome. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to have that. <laughs> Sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Who cares about Jacob? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? How he and his sons she keeps bringing back like the father Jacob, the, the guy who's God, God changed his name to Israel, the father of the, she kept like coming back to this like father thing. Jesus replied, anybody who drinks this water will become thirsty again. Like he was okay, but he could only drill a well so deep. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You, you wake up in the morning and God within you is like, hey, you're awesome. I like you. I like you. Man, why don't you sing that song that I like? Why don't you lift your hands like I like? Why don't you? Because I like you. I just like being around you. I just, you're fun. I like you. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Why? Because coming here... There's different spins on this story, but I think the text supports really one spin on this story. Why was she at the well when nobody else was at the well in the heat of the day? Because it was painful to come when all the other ladies were there. It was painful. She walked in a lot of shame. She's there avoiding her past. Watch Jesus. Now, this is when Jesus walks right into the middle of Edmonton. And calls a spade a spade because you can get all distracted and think that you're in all the things out here and it's not, no, no. Jesus walks in and, and says, calls it out. He says, go and get your husband. What does that have to do with water? Go and get your husband. What does that have to do with anything we're talking about? Go get your husband because that's, she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. And the person you're, you're living with now, you're not even married to. You certainly spoke the truth. You don't go to the well because you're afraid of who you're going to see there. You're going you're to see another woman raising kids that could have been your kids. That's why you're not at the well. Not all these men were like probably bad men. I mean, you watch The Chosen. It's like, no, and you left that person. He, there was nothing wrong with him. And something inside of you, you kept searching. You kept searching because you think you haven't found the right man yet. But it's not that you haven't found the right man yet. Maybe you didn't have the right dad. You keep looking here and you keep looking there and you keep trying to fill it with this and you keep trying to fill it with this and you buy stuff and you are addicted to stuff and you keep looking and you keep looking and you, but that's not where the problem is. They couldn't fix it unless you're Jesus. Sir, she said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, uh, 
you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it's a different mountain. She's like, you go to church here and I go to church over here. Like, can we talk about anything else? This is super awkward and I don't want to talk about it. Like, I just want to talk about anything else. And when your kid's like, oh, look at that. There's like a bunny in the yard. And you're like, dude, clean your room. Nobody cares about bunnies. Jesus replied, come on up, worship team. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it no, will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this. Listen, it, it's not, you could go to the perfect church. Come on, Benny, that was your cue. You could go to the perfect church. <laughs> uh, we think that's funny too. But if there's something wrong in the inside, you still won't be able to connect. You can marry the perfect, you can do the, you can have the perfect. It won't matter because you're not connecting here. The woman said, I know Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Savior, Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Boom. Mic drop. I am. And the next thing in her heart says, why is somebody like you here at this well at this time of day talking to somebody like me? My own dad didn't have time to talk to me. That's what somebody's feeling, right? My own dad didn't pay attention to me. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. You are like, there's like the king of the universe and his son who's pretty busy. He's got like a pretty packed schedule. And you walked all the way over here and sat by this well. And you're talking to somebody as sinful and broken and messed up. My own dad wouldn't give me the time of day. And you're here because Jesus was giving her a message from his father that, yes, I will pause the universe because I care that much about you. You think that God is distant and remote because and, he has many kids. No, 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 He hits pause and he comes and he sends Jesus to you right now in this sermon to tell you, I think that that's what you're worth. I think that. Who cares what you think? Who cares what anybody thinks? That's what I... I came this Sunday morning to tell you that you were worth me coming, sending my own son just to come and to be like, hey, your dad loves you. Hey, he wants to fix you. Watch, she left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And the whole village came out and believed in Jesus. Can you imagine like inviting somebody to church? You see somebody downtown, you're like, come to church, man. Pastor just told everybody of the thing that I just did. It's a great church. It's incredible. Come, maybe he'll say everything about you too. This is when God takes the shame from your story and leaves you with the gold and leaves you with the thing that could heal the next person. And he takes the shame out of all your bad decisions and he takes the shame out because he can. And he takes the shame out and he says, hey, I love you anyways. Don't worry about that. Sin's not the problem. You just got to come. You just got to come. I want to I wanna open the, the altar in a second here, but... Can I tell you a story? Can I take a minute? I'm going to tell you like a story that's like this, this hard. And this might be your story. It's the story of, I think, one in three women right now. Or your story might be this hard and you just had some disappointments with your dad and you just need to get healed all the same and it's still a wound and God still wants to heal you. I uh, heard a story about a situation where a father abused his daughter for long period of time sexually abused her and uh, as I understand it the 
family. The parents kind of buried it. The kids thought that other people knew about it, but they didn't. And so it got buried. And for years, there's this like dark secret going on here that they think people know about, but they don't. And then, and then in an offhand comment, the girl mentioned something to her friend, I think. And, and she tells her parents, goes to the police. He gets convicted and goes to jail. And um, somebody sat with that family and said, what do you want to do about that? Because they were Christ followers, which makes it all the worse, right? It makes it all the harder, makes it all the... But they said, what do you want to do with that? And, um, and the family and the girl said, we want to forgive. Because that's what Jesus' people do. We want to forgive. We don't know how we're going to, but we want to. And, and uh, this is what... The girl, I, as I understand it, said, I don't want to be without a dad. I still need a dad. I want So he serves his time and then he comes out and they start going to counseling and stuff. But the, the girl just kind of kept cycling in and around this life of sin and shame. And then she kept trying to fill that bucket with sex and other men and just kept filling it and just would kind of get closer. And then just like the wound just never got solved. And I wish you'd have heard something like this. It had changed everything for her. I just, but the wound just never got fixed, it never got healed. And, and, uh, and this is the part of the story I want to get to, is that a friend of mine talked to the mom. And she said that, yeah, well, the dad didn't have a good relationship with his dad. And his dad would always say to him, are you a man or a mouse? Because he was a real soft kid, a real tender, a real emotional kid. And he's like, you can't feel emotion in this house. You can't feel her. You can't. Come on, man up. Are you a man or a mouse? Come on. Are we going to do this or not? And he wasn't allowed to feel anything. And when he was five, his babysitter molested him. And he told his dad and his dad didn't believe him. And swept it under the rug and put him back with the same person. And hurt people hurt people until somebody along the way decides that it stops with them and decides that if I offer the, the altar to you and God the Father is here and wants to fix you for good, it doesn't mean that it's not going to hurt. He wants to fix, take the splinter out. It's going to hurt a little, but then there's this instant relief and this instant worth and this instant, I can walk again. I can actually do this. And... There's this thing that God wants to do no matter how big or how small that wound is. Because here's the part of the story that I want to tell you. The other part of that family, the other half of that family is flourishing. To, this is what I heard. They're flourishing today. They're followers of Jesus. Everything turned around. They're healthy. They're good. They're, they're okay. And that the difference between the one side of the story perpetuating itself and the other side it's two things, the power of God and whether you'd have the courage to come up to the front and get prayed for. Who has the courage to come up? We want to sing a song over you called The Blessing. And if this is you, just slip out of your seat and just come forward. No matter how big, how small. My own daughters ought to be up here like 